Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is a returning guest, Rachel Hoover. She is a technical writer by day and a critic and essayist for several Catholic publications in the evening. She holds a BA from Christendom College and lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And probably a month or so ago, we had her on talking about why aren't Catholics marrying? And it's kind of a series. You're talking about the dating and all the things that are leading up and the challenges that faithful Catholics have. And uh, Rachel, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me back on. So interesting articles, and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I bet a lot of people can relate to what you're writing because of the challenges out there and meeting people that, you know, they're not clones of themselves, but at least are like-minded and have the same love for the faith, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, When I started off to try to interview people about the challenges they're facing in dating as a Catholic, uh, there were no shortage of takers who wanted to talk about this problem. So definitely widespread. And that was interesting in the article and this article that we're talking about. Both articles today are actually in uh, uh, our Sunday visitor for people that want to look them up. But, you know, in the dating culture crisis, you know, about fueling the Catholic marriage and vocation collapse, uh, I mean, it was that article was full of firsthand accounts of people and the challenges that they faced, although different challenges all were significant challenges, weren't they? Yes, I heard from people of different ages, different parts of the country who were all experiencing challenges meeting a fellow single Catholic that they might want to date, someone who is actually faithful to church teaching and faithful to chastity. Um, but also someone who would be pleasant to spend time with and carry on a good conversation with. Um, So people are struggling to meet each other in the first place. Then if they do meet, they're struggling with just the relationship skills that are necessary to build a good dating relationship, a good courtship that could lead to marriage. Um, And so there are challenges in really every state of the relationship all the way through um, marriage itself. I, I spoke with one woman who had managed to get married uh, later than she hoped, but it turned out that the person she married was really, um, he had deceived her in many ways, and it it could be actually an invalid marriage after all. Um, And she shared that she was never really taught what makes for a valid marriage in the first place until she was preparing for possible annulment. So that was a heartbreaking story to hear. But Uh, It just shows that at every stage, I think, uh, Catholics are really struggling to find each other and to form good relationships that lead to good, happy, holy marriages. Well, and, you know, I can't speak on the woman's behalf, but you see so many men out there that spend their time on video games, uh, you know, on their phone, doing, you know, social media stuff that they really don't have a lot of interpersonal skills. I mean, finding people now that actually have like a firm handshake that look you in the eye. And that can carry on a conversation, you know, and I'm not, you know, not even talking about dating, just people with common, uh, the the common ability to communicate in a way that everybody used to, we took for granted, is really a challenge out there. Yes, I, I kept thinking to myself as I was interviewing everyone that it sounds like we just have a crisis of being able to form relationships in general <laughs> beyond just dating. Uh, I think marriage and dating has been one big, um, I guess, uh, victim of this whole 
larger problem. Um, and uh, you know, I'm not an expert on why that's happening. I think you know a lot of the things you mentioned, just our, our digital world, is probably fueling that. Maybe the uh, pandemic lockdowns has probably exacerbated it. There's a lot going into it, but it seems we need a we need to revitalize just conversation skills and good manners and things like that. And um, maybe a lot of these single people would be a little more appealing to each other <laughs> if we had some of those skills. Well, and I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's unfortunate we see the world in which we live in and Catholics aren't immune to it and they kind of fall into it, right? We have this, you know, false concept that's been pushed out there for decades now about to- toxic masculinity, when in reality, the culture and everything has done is kind of feminize men in terms of, you know, not taking responsibility, you know, making fun of, you know, the patriarchy and really trying to attack the patriarchy. It really hasn't done anybody any good. And men need to stand up and, and women need to seek strong men because otherwise it just keep, seems to keep perpetuating itself, whether it's in movies or anywhere out in the culture. It You know, we see guys in dresses and magazines now and you're like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, <laughs> I think most most Catholic women are not obviously going to find that very attractive. <laughs> you know, we, uh, we naturally seek uh, the opposite sex because they're different from ourselves, right? And it is interesting. Um, I think one woman I interviewed mentioned that she had tried dating some Catholics, some non-Catholics over the years and found that uh, for whatever reason, actually more than one person said this, but for whatever reason, the Catholic men that they dated were, they just tended to be for lack of a better word, kind of nerdy. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to be too yeah. negative toward them. You know, I, I think that I, I know a lot of um, very wonderful, even if they are a little nerdy <laughs> people, and I, I'm kind of nerdy myself. But I think there's something to that. You know, it, it's we kind of look for a man who maybe is a little athletic, a little more of a go-getter, you know. <laughs> some, some of those kind of classically masculine qualities um, could be harder to find. And, um, you know, the, some people might get along well with a, a man who's more, you know, bookish or intellectual, and that's fine. But you kind of need a balance of different traits, and people who are just well-rounded and interesting are going to be um, going to be more appealing to date, and might ultimately be more successful in life and be successful as spouses. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, tidbit that maybe I had never thought of before. But um, it's important to, of course, know the faith and. Um, be very devout uh, as a Catholic, but there's more to life than just that, you know? And so uh, I think some, some people, um, as they're trying to get out there and find a spouse, they're hoping to find someone who has those qualities of, you know, being devout and being um, devoted to their faith, but also have some hobbies and interests and, you know, other aspects of their lives as well. Well, I mean, you know, we're men are supposed to be providers, defenders and that type mm-hmm. of thing. But, yeah, I mean, and I've heard it. I've heard that many times about the nerdy aspect of it. And, you know, you do really need well-rounded people. And, you, and you're not looking for a clone of yourself, right? You want to have interesting conversation, you know, somebody that can put thoughts together and, and verbalize and also show interest in somebody other than themselves, right? We live in a very narcissistic mm-hmm. society where, you know, me, myself, and I are my three favorite topics. And those topics get old in a real hurry. And you really need to show interest in people. And again, 
go out and play volleyball, go hiking, go camping, go do things out outside so that you're not, uh, you know, tied to your phone or tied to social media or anything like that. And, you know, it's, it, it is interesting. And I think as I read what you're saying, I can't say that anything totally shocks me because I think everything I've kind of heard in some form or fashion and a lot of people say, well, just just go online and do online dating. But you, you interviewed people and that's no panacea either, right? Right. So almost everyone that I spoke to for the initial article about the, the dating crisis that's fueling this marriage collapse um, had tried online dating at least at some point. And um, some people are very successful with that. I, I don't want to be too uh, too down on it. I know plenty of couples who did meet that way, but it doesn't always work well. Um, I spoke to several people who just said that if they were looking for people who seem to be serious Catholics in their area. They just didn't find a lot of people online, so it can be pretty limited. Um, and then also, it can sometimes fuel this um, this attitude that one interviewee called it a, a shopping mindset, this idea mm -hmm. that you are kind of looking for a clone of yourself, or at least that you're looking for uh, people who fit all these specific criteria. You can put a bunch of filters in place on some of these dating sites and dating apps and look for people who only people who fit into your very specific idea of who you're looking for. And sometimes that's just not how relationships work and that's not how divine providence works, right? Um, so there are people who are kind of starting to get disillusioned with online dating and move away from that and trying to get out and meet people in person again and let God maybe surprise them a little bit. Um, sometimes you might like someone in person that online you would have said it doesn't look very appealing for some reason. Maybe they don't fit inside your criteria that you've set for yourself, but it turns out to work really well when you're actually meeting each other. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about the, the woman who unfortunately became divorced because of, you know, a lot of hidden things prior to getting married. And if I remember right, reading the article, there was some disappointment in, you know, the church's premarital classes and all that, that, that a lot of this stuff wasn't ferreted out. And, you know, people who go into religious life, they're not the only ones discerning, right? The church, the vocations director uh, helps discern as well. And so the church needs to play a part in this and not be so timid when there's obviously something going wrong or this isn't, wouldn't be a good union. They need to stand up and say, hey, there's a problem here and really let those people know that they need to reconsider or spend more time dating because things aren't going well. Yes, I think that was um, another thing that maybe hadn't crossed my life experience before that it was in a way shocking, but but as you said, it's not so shocking. Um, yes, the church is, is acting as a witness to a marriage, right? And saying, this is a sacrament, this is something holy. It's very important that the church doesn't put that seal of approval on a marriage if it's actually not even going to be valid at all, or at least going to be very problematic. Um, so I think that um, uh, the Vatican has, has talked recently about trying to extend and improve um, marriage preparation. And I think there's a real need for, you know, whether or not it's an extension through time of marriage prep, I'm not sure, but a, a deepening of the understanding of what that really means um, so that everyone who shows up for marriage prep is kind of kind of being assessed, I think, for, you know, is this a healthy relationship? Is this something that's even going to form a valid sacramental marriage at all? Um, 
doing that work on the front end rather than after the fact uh, seems seems like a pretty obvious path forward. Um, and I know that annulment rates are, are pretty high in the U.S. at this point. I, I don't know have the exact numbers on that, but it makes more sense to um, kind of sort those things out before the marriage takes place <laughs> rather than having so many annulments and, and all the trauma and difficulty of that uh, after the fact. So I think there's a lot of room for, um, yeah, just a lot of room for improvement in um, people's, you know, individuals' relationship skills so that hopefully they could identify their own uh, difficulties earlier than that. But if they do make it to the point of engagement and marriage prep, the church certainly um, should keep an eye on those things and, and step in and just not put the sacramental seal of approval on something that um, really is not good for the two people involved. Well, and I've worked on annulments, and it, it's it's painful for individuals because they have to go back, and it, it's it's in depth, and realize the mistakes that they made or the compromises they made to certain standards or certain requirements. And look, you can't be stringent. You talked about a checklist, and you know, not you're not going to get somebody that marks every box on a checklist. And even if they do, that's no guarantee. But you kind of have mm-hmm. to have those non-negotiables. And some people, unfortunately think like the biological clock is getting louder and louder and louder. And so they compromise in areas that really lead to a lot of pain and suffering emotionally and sometimes Mm -hmm. physically when they make those compromises. You're better off getting married later or never being married than to have to go through one of these traumas that people go through because they compromise to the point where I just want to get married. And we really need to make sure people don't get that kind of mindset, right? Yes, it's a very uh, difficult thing to define. What is being too picky or too unreasonable with your requirements? And then what is just having good standards, even if those standards are high and not compromising on them? And I think um, one way that I've heard it put is don't compromise on your standards. So things like morals and the faith and um, those things that are truly necessary, but be a little more flexible on the preferences, you know, <laughs> I only want someone who plays basketball. Okay. Well, that's, that's not so important, but I only right. want someone who, you know, is really going to build me up in the faith and help me become a saint. Well, that's extremely important. Yeah, I think, uh, and that's why I think your articles are very thought provoking and do remind people of don't fall into particular traps. And I think the, the other thing that's helpful reading the articles for people who are challenged with this is you're not alone. Sometimes, right, the evil one likes to make you think you're the only one. Everybody else is finding somebody. You're the only one. It must be you. And so I think knowing that other people are going through these challenges uh, can be helpful, one, to realize that you're not alone, but also kind of get some advice from them by reading your articles. And, you know, you came up with a, a new article that just got published recently regarding speed dating. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that and how that has really grown in the few areas that have uh, adopted it. Yes, so this is an exciting development. Um, The concept of speed dating is not exactly new. It's been around for a few decades. Um, Actually, it was invented by a Jewish rabbi who was trying to get young Jewish people to meet each other and get married um, within their own faith, which is really interesting to see that Catholics are also uh, starting to adopt this as well. So uh, some of those same people who were a little disillusioned with online dating and just the way things were going um, 
even in person, if they went to, say, Catholic young adult groups, that can be a great way to meet someone, but maybe you're not even sure, is that person single? <laughs> is he or she showing interest in me? Uh, we just find that difficult to navigate these days. And so I spoke with several different um, leaders of new dating ministries around the country. Um, there's one called Hot and Holy that's based out of Michigan, um, one in Arizona in the Phoenix area, so AZ Catholic Speed Dating, and then one that's been around for actually quite a while, Denver Catholic Speed Dating. And all these ministries uh, set up speed dating events where a bunch of Catholic singles will get into the same room for an evening, and they each get a few minutes to speak with each person of the opposite sex, and then they can privately write down um, or express interest in whoever they're interested in seeing again, um, and then contact info would be exchanged if they're mutually interested in each other. So it's just a way of meeting a bunch of new people all in one evening and just having a few minutes of one-on-one -on -one conversation with each one. And it's a pretty simple idea, but it really does seem to work for a lot of people. Um, just like anything else, I'm sure it's not going to be a, a perfect panacea, but it's a good starting point, I think, for someone who just, just wants to meet new people and kind of uh, get things started and see if something works out. So I was excited to, to see that there are so many of these kind of popping up around the country and that um, the leaders of all of these ministries were able to point to success stories already, even if they've only been around for, say, six months or so. Um, they would say lots of people have been going on dates, which is already a success. You know, even if it doesn't work out in the end, that's still it's, it's practice in a way to just learn how to go on a date, have a conversation, get to know someone new. Um, that's never really a, a waste of time as long as it's just a wholesome uh, wholesome evening out or something like that. Um, and then some could point to, you know, full, you know, lengthy relationships, engagements, marriages. Um, Denver Catholic Speed Dating has been around long enough that there are children who exist because of their, this ministry and these events. So that's very exciting to see. And uh, I hope that we'll see more of this around the country, maybe as a, a supplement or alternative to online dating and just general young adult groups and the other things that already exist. I think it's just one more way to meet fellow Catholics and kind of see if that, um, that spark or that inspiration from God kind of uh, takes hold in person in those few minutes that you're chatting with someone. Well, and a, and a spark's more likely to take place when you meet somebody in person, right? We're, we're we, we desire human contact and to, to see a, you know, a message or an email is not exactly, um, you know, human contact as it was meant to be. And, you know, I thought the other interesting thing is you interviewed these individuals who started up these groups. They really encourage people in other areas to start them up too, right? It's not that hard. You know, you just have to have the desire to do it and get, you know, get with a friend or two. It really is easy to do. And they've sounded like most of them were uh, surprised by the turnout, right? They had lower expectations and they start these things up and their expectations seem like they were almost always exceeded. Yes, I think everyone I spoke to said that um, either they had to sort of cap the signups for their events at a certain number because they didn't have room for more in the space they had or that they didn't cap the signups and they had maybe two or three times as many people as they had originally thought they would, which is, is interesting to see that there were so many people in all these different cities who were specifically interested in going to Catholic speed dating events. So there's really a demand for this. 
And I think it would be interesting to see if more parishes, dioceses, or just lay people, I mean, all the people I spoke to were just ordinary lay people who started their own um, events, not necessarily sponsored by a diocese or anything. And it'd be interesting to see if more people started these around the country, what a turnout they would get. Um, there's clearly interest and demand in this. I actually um, have, have run a couple of them myself here in Nashville and found that my expectations were exceeded as well. I had to had to shut down the signups pretty quickly <laughs> and tell people, all right, you're on the wait list for next time because I just can't fit you all in this room, which is really exciting to see. So when you were doing it, just maybe to help people, how how did you advertise? How did people find out that you were doing it so that, you know, you you got to the point where too many people wanted to participate? How did you kind of throw the net out there to kind of let people know about it? Yeah, so I had I tried throwing a couple of just casual mixer type events before. So I had a little bit of a, a following built up, you know, an email list, social media, that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of it was just word of mouth. So I think I put one or two ads in bulletins and um, things like that. But really, it just seemed like one person who heard about it from me would bring two or three or five other people and uh, people just, they would find out about it somehow, you know, if they were looking for it. So it wasn't really very difficult to get the word out. Um, I think in a in a bigger city, at least, if there are lots of you know, well-connected Catholic young adult groups and things like that, they're a really good place to get something like this started. But there were people coming from sometimes several hours away um, to my events, to some of the other events. Uh, the leaders I spoke to said that people were driving two or three, four hours to come to the event. So it's uh, even if you're in a, <laughs> a smaller city or, or something like that, I think it's pretty easy to get a lot of people to come uh, to something like this just because it's not happening very often. Well, I mean, and you ran it because, you know, you're single, but I think the one in Phoenix, if I remember right through your article, were were two moms who had kids that were struggling with this and decided to put it together. So really, anybody who has the desire to to really uh, see that Catholics can find other faithful Catholics can do this. It's really, you know, just you just have to spend a little bit of time and, and, and feel the call to do it and you can do it. Absolutely. Yes, there were two um, two mothers of adult children who just decided to try to connect all these young people that they had seen. Um, sometimes one of them said she had seen people sometimes in the same room at an event who just still didn't run into each other. And she was hoping to uh, matchmake them a little bit. So anyone who sees this problem and feels inspired to do it should just jump in and try throwing one event. Just just get single people, single Catholics together in the same room and and let God do the rest. Well, he's pretty good at it, and sometimes we like to put the pressure on ourselves. It is a challenge, but sometimes we put even more pressure on it. You know, it's like anything else. The more we press, the harder it is for something to really take place because we're trying almost too hard. Um, But, you know, people can participate in this, and, and, you know, there are other ways to meet people as well. But this is really a way to kind of get like-minded people in the same room just to see if there is that spark or that connection. And uh, you know, from your articles and just from the people you've interviewed uh, and talking about driving two and three and four hours or whatever away, there really is a desire, which is really a good thing, right? We want that desire because I was just talking to somebody today, and you know, churches do way more uh, funerals than they do marriages. Ooh. <laughs> 
that's uh that's pretty scary isn't it <laughs> and we all we've heard some priests say if your church isn't crying it's dying meaning if you don't have babies in the pews then uh then that's bad news for the church and if you don't have marriages you don't have a lot of babies so <laughs> yes finding people who have that desire for marriage who really feel called to it who want to have children this is the future of the church and i think god is um is inspiring some of these lay people, these leaders of these uh, speed dating ministries to just try something new. And again, online dating is a good option. Lots of people have success with that. I'm planning another article on that topic soon to hopefully touch on, you know, are there people who are a better fit for online dating, better and worse ways to do it, to be more or less successful. Um, But it's not everybody's thing. So (laughs) I think it's good that we're we're seeing some in-person events coming up as well that people can go to. And if you're really called to marriage, it's a good idea to try everything at your disposal. Just just get out and meet lots of different people in lots of different ways. And again, just see what God can do with that. Well, I think that's the key, right? If people are just waiting in their homes for somebody to come knock on their door, right? It, it, ideal, well, that'd be great, but we really do need to get out and meet people. And, and really, we're called to do that anyway, right? After every Mass, we're told to go, right? Go out into the world mm-hmm. and share me in. It can be in any environment. You might meet somebody at a grocery store. Who knows where you meet them? But you really just have to be out there uh, doing what God's called us to do, to share him with those. And you know what? If if it's meant to be, it'll meant to be. But don't put that pressure on ourselves. Because when we do, again, it feels like the weight of the world's on our shoulders. And we tend to make poorer decisions out of desperation when we put that pressure on ourselves. Absolutely. I really enjoy the articles. We're down to about the last minute or so. Um, you said you have another article coming out. Is this going to be an ongoing thing? Uh, just you know, to kind of keep this in the light and kind of help people who are struggling with this. What's your What's your plan for this for the the topic of faithful Catholic marriages and the dating? Yes, I hope to make this a series just covering different aspects of this topic. So. Um, they're being published by OSC News. It's going on their newswire, so many people could read these articles in their own local Catholic newspapers. Um, at least some of them will also be up on OSCnews.com. So the two we talked about today are available on OSCnews.com right now. Um, and if you're not getting a local Catholic newspaper that subscribes to OSC News, um, then maybe suggest that they <laughs> should subscribe to The Wire and, and start running these articles. Uh, we're trying to get the word out as much as possible uh, about this topic that so many people seem to really be eager to read about. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.